I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Today, we're joined by Chris Bullock and Brian Burdick, the co-founders of ClearGov. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, would love to hear your elevator pitch for ClearGov. ClearGov is uh, really a, a financial management platform for local governments. We call it budget cycle management. So we basically help local governments modernize and streamline their budget process from uh, planning capital needs for the next 10 years to uh, helping them manage personnel and staffing uh, forecasts all the way through their operational budgets uh, and then uh, allowing them to communicate that out to the world via uh, something called a budget book that um, local governments produce every year, as well as financial transparency uh, sites that the average citizen can go on and, and better understand where their local government's money is coming from and where it's going, and then you know have some input on that. So it, it's really kind of taking uh, local government's financial management into the modern cloud era. That's great. And, and why did you decide to start this business? Well, you know, ClearGov, I think, was founded out of a, a pretty simple question. I think a lot of people have is, you know, really, where are my taxes going? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a data geek at heart and a data nerd. And um, I actually went on my town's website just to uh, look into their financials. We actually had a, 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 a um, a school that they were looking to fund and take on some debt and the, the, uh, the, the question kept on coming up at town vote and failing. And so I was curious as to how much debt the town actually had. So that just led me down to this path to start looking into the financials and really realized that it was very, very confusing for the average citizen and uh, thought maybe there would be a better way to uh, really uh, create a site where uh, people can understand where their money's going and, and how it's being used and then have some input into that. And that was really the start of a journey where, you know, we started out with transparency, but have really evolved into this much broader financial management platform. And you guys are really a mission-driven organization. What, what's the mission of ClearGov? Yeah, so, you know, our mission, uh, Chris kind of uh, alluded to it already, but it's, it's very simple. It's, you know, we're, our mission is to create easy to use software uh, to help local governments budget better. Um, it's a painful process that they go through. Most of them are still doing it you know, in Excel um, and it's tedious and it takes a lot of time and they make mistakes and those mistakes are, are you know, have a real impact on their community. <laughs> um, and you know, we've built this really streamlined cloud-based uh, software solutions uh, to help them streamline that whole process, get it done faster and get it done right. Um, and ultimately, that makes you know, puts them in a better position to make better financial decisions about their community, to 
uh, engage with their community uh, and ultimately to you know, help improve their community. Um, and it's pretty interesting because that to me was really compelling, you know, when I first got introduced to Chris um, and, and really why I got involved, you know, in ClearGov uh, early on is because I loved the mission that we were on. Um, I feel like it's a you know, company where, you know, we're not only building a great company, but we're, we're helping make the world a better place, sort of one community at a time. Yeah, no, and, and we invest in a lot of mission-driven organizations, which I think is great because it also helps, um, you know, really laser focus the company on, on who they, how they want to, what success means to them, yep. as well as uh, helps with hiring employees and other things, right? If everyone can rally around the same mission, uh, it, it, it just helps early days in the business, I think, with getting everyone aligned with the same We've definitely found that to be the case. You know, we're uh, getting close to about 40 people now in the company. And uh, I think every single one of them, that's been a part of, you know, the conversation. In fact, if, if they don't say that during the interview process, yep. hey, I really love what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, that's a big red flag for us, um, <laughs> you know, from a, from a culture perspective. That's yeah, definitely a question I ask every interview. Why ClearGov? Why are you addressing in ClearGov? And, you know, sometimes they'll they'll say something about the the mission. I really love what you guys are doing. Other times they'll say, "Well, you know, I, I want to be, you know, close to close to you guys yeah. have an office close to our work." I, you know? I, live, I live in Acton. You guys are two minutes away. That's not the right answer. <laughs> um, so let's let's rewind a little bit. Both of you guys are kind of serial entrepreneurs. Uh, you've been through the fundraising processes many times. You know, let's rewind to the first time you ever had to go out and raise money. Uh, how did you go about it? Did you, and maybe you have different stories, which would be great to juxtapose, but did you, did you bootstrap? Did you raise friends and family? Like what were the steps before you even got to approaching VC, VCs for money? I mean, myself, I've, I've started a, a number of startups and I've had some successes and in, in all calling uh, learning failures. Um, you know, I've done everything from kind of friends and family informal angel rounds. Uh, our last company in Sky Analytics, we, we did do some uh, venture capital uh, pitches, uh, but we were also kind of self-funded uh, by um, our, our CEO. Um, so I think for me, um, you know, ClearGov has really been, um, I'll say, the, the most in, in, intense and formalized uh, venture capital rounds uh, that that I've done. I think everything kind of before that uh, was was just a warm up. I know Brian, you probably had maybe a little different experience though. Yeah, so I mean, I've had a, a little bit of of everything as well, kind of all different flavors. Everything from you know, uh, my last startup um, uh, before ClearGov, we were actually spun out of an existing company, so we were originally funded by a loan. Yeah. Uh, company that we spun out of and then you know did the VC route uh, once we got to a certain stage um, I've done the friends and family thing as well um, which is you know really really tough um, I've also been an investor on some of those friends and family rounds um, and that's you know that's in a way it's equally as tough right because you're 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 rooting for uh, you know your friend or family uh, for all of you know all of the reasons all of the obvious reasons um, and when it doesn't work out, you know, at least my perspective is, hey, I knew what I was getting into, right. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, they feel really, really, really bad, you know, when those things, uh, you know, don't work out the way they'd hoped. 
Yep, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. well, and Brian and I actually connected because Brian was uh, one of our early investors, angel that's investor right. for the company. Yep. Yeah, that's that's uh, we got introduced by a guy named uh, Joe Caruso, who's uh, kind of a, a super angel here in the Boston area. And um, yeah, I loved what Chris was doing right out of the gate, made an angel investment, and then just couldn't get clear gov out of my head. And uh, he and I kept talking back and forth and fell in love and, and uh, here we are. <laughs> so, you know, you guys all have, you have a lot of experience with, you know, different forms of financing, different paths. When you were putting ClearGov together, what were kind of some of the critical success factors that you thought of initially with around fundraising, right? Like what were some of the things you wanted to make sure you did yeah. and some of the things you wanted to make sure you avoided? So, so I think we had a pretty interesting, you know, advantage early on because, because Chris had, you know, been this one man show um, that made a lot of progress kind of, you know, on his own. He had some contractors and stuff that he was working with, but, you know, we had a product. Um, he had gone out and, you know, kind of almost in his spare time signed up, you know, a dozen or so pilot customers. So we had customers that were, you know, paying. Uh, so we had this initial proof of concept. And that's a pretty big advantage, you know, when you go out and start the uh, fundraising process to be able to, you know, tell a story that it's not just an idea. It's an idea that, you know, folks have already uh, started paying for. Um, from a strategic perspective, what we really focused on was, you know, the fundraising strategy. Uh, money is most expensive uh, early on in the process. You know, the earlier you raise money, that's going to be the biggest, you know, chunk of equity that you give up from a dilution perspective per dollar raised. Um, and so you want to be smart about that. Chris and I, I think both share a, um, a philosophy of being very uh, capital efficient. Mm -hmm. um, so given the progress that we've made, we actually haven't raised a ton of money. Um, we've used it very, very efficiently. We haven't gone out and blown it. But in particular, in those early days, you know, we wanted to raise enough money to get us to that next level, to get us to that next proof point, you know, can we show that we can start to scale this, for example, right? Um, can we show that we can renew customers, that sort of thing, get to those next proof points, which then allows you to go out and raise the next round at better terms, right? At a better valuation and, and you know, lower dilution. I think that's a, that's a great point um, that a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs don't think about is when they're raising their first round, the VCs often want to know what exactly are you going to do with this and what are you going to achieve so that we can raise another round, right? Yep. And it's, they're investing in founders who are fundable, not just by them, but by the next group of investors as well. And so I think you mentioned that one, one quick point, Chris, because uh, I, I think probably the best piece of advice that I ever got, you know, from a fundraising perspective uh, was actually from a guy named Mike Tyrrell. Um, so Mike is a um, partner with uh, Venrock um, and invested in uh, both of my previous two companies. So uh, Zoom Info and, and Bizzo. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, Mike sort of taking me through the venture economics, right? right. the economics and understanding kind of what's important to them and how they think about the world. And like you just said, you know, there, it's not just about the business or the idea or even the team, those are all super important uh, when they make their investment decisions, but also what ultimately is this gonna you know, mean in terms of return? Because they're ultimately responsible you know, to, your, uh, you know, to your investors, right? Exactly. To your LPs. 
Exactly. Uh, so understanding how that cycle works uh, is really, really critical to you know, how you pitch, how you present, how you emphasize, what you know, things you highlight, that sort of thing. Thanks. And just maybe piggyback off what Brian said. I, I think a lot of young aspiring entrepreneurs, their goal is to just to, to raise venture capital. And to me, that should not be the goal. The right. goal should build to be to build a great product and build a great company. And the fundraising will come out of that. And and I realize that, you know, that's easier said than done because a lot of people need, you know, money just to get off the ground. But you got to kick and scratch and do whatever you can uh, to, to get off the ground and, and show some traction uh, so that, um, you know, you've got some proof and some value. And, um, you know, for instance, for with ClearGov, um, we actually, uh, we were able to, to sell the product actually before we had it built. So the, the first clients actually funded the, the building of the product. So we got really, really creative and, and how to get this off the ground. And you know, as Brian mentioned, we were able to sign up dozens of clients uh, across uh, Massachusetts. And you know, once you've got that traction, it's, it's a much different conversation with VCs. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting. We have to build a product, though, right? Yeah, and that's that's interesting, right? So, how do you, um, you know, you guys talked about one of the great ways to go and raise capital is to have a have an MVP, have customers, have the team in place, and you talked about getting customers to fund some of that earlier early development. I'd love to just drill down on that. Like, how did you do that? Like, what what was the pitch to the customers? So basically, what you know, I, I did some research into my, my own town's finances and, and found that um, I, I didn't have a sense of context for it, right? And uh, meaning that I could see my town had $70 million in debt, but I didn't know that was a lot. And what, what I ended up finding was that I could find uh, data across uh, all the, the, uh, the, the towns in Massachusetts uh, through the Department of Revenue. And I took all that data was able to build a website that showed for every single town in Massachusetts where their money was coming from and where it was going. And I started doing that with other states. So I initially funded that, uh, that project myself, but it was able to then reach out to all the towns in Massachusetts, all the town managers sent them an email and just said, you know, hey, built this website, uh, took your finances from the Department of Revenue. It shows you know, very clearly where the money is coming from and where it's going, but also compares your finances to similar communities. And, you know, just reached out to them and, and told them the story and just said, ask them a simple question. What do you think about this? Hmm. Didn't ask them to sell anything, didn't ask them to, you know, buy anything. Um, and they got back to us very, very quickly with a lot of feedback. And, you know, we learned a lot of things from those conversations. And really two things. One is that we found that cities actually do want to be more transparent. They need to better communicate in a better dig in, a, in this digital age. And then two, um, they wanted to be able to benchmark their, their finances against other communities. It was really difficult to do. And from those conversations, we were just able to say, you know, what if we built you a, a, a way that you could kind of claim this page and upgrade it with much more recent uh, and more detailed data because that's what they were asking for. And then also said, maybe we could build you some tools to use our data set and run your own benchmarking. And uh, you know, from those conversations, we just said, you know, if I built this, would you pay X amount, right? And um, didn't ask a lot, just wanted them to pay something. Didn't want to give it, wanted proof that they would pay for this. 
and you know from those conversations we we're able to you know sign up a you know a half a dozen or so and you know that led to the next dozen and that led to the next dozen and um so it's just having early conversations with your customers i think yeah and that also helps differentiate you against all the other entrepreneurs trying to raise money from the vcs if you can tell a really strong story like that right like you know, this is, you know, we talked to all these customers, this is what they had us build, this, they've helped fund this, it just helps set you apart relative to the hundred other companies that are pitching that same VC for one investment, right? So, um, right. you know, anything you can do to differentiate yourself. So you guys have experiences, successful ex exits and other things in your past, you have had a, you have an MVP product, you have um, customers paying customers, so you went out, you found the first VC and they invested in you, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was a, an interesting process. Uh, you know, I, I have uh, a number of, of VC relationships uh, here in the Boston area. Um, and so, you know, when Chris and I uh, got together, this was beginning of uh, you know, January 1st, 2017. Um, and is really kind of when we we started the process, and you know I started going through um, <clears throat> you know my contacts. I think one of the you know, frankly one of the mistakes that we made early on in, in this particular process is we we wasted too much time talking to you know Series A investors because um, we you know just weren't ready for that. Right? It, again, this goes back to kind of understanding uh, VC economics, um, and then. Uh, you know, and then we uh, connected with uh, uh, Eric Chirpy over at CAFA Ventures and, you know, with you guys at Mass Ventures. And now we're a great fit, right? Yep. You know, you guys are seeing uh, investors in particular with Mass. You know, the fact that we had this sort of government connection, uh, I think, was really interesting to you guys. Chris had some, you know, previous experience with Mass Ventures as well. Um, and so, you know, it was a great fit, both in terms of where we were as a company, the kinds of investments you guys are looking to make um and from that point it actually happened you know pretty quickly uh, yeah, we we got a term sheet um uh we got a term sheet you know toward the end of february and i, I think like 22nd or something in february we had it filled you know, we had the full round filled within a week um and then you know it took about 30 days to actually close um, and, and that for me, you know, I think is probably the most stressful part of it is because during the closing process, uh, there's just a lot of moving parts, right? There's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of cats to herd, you know, we had a couple of additional angels came up, came on board. Um, so there's just, you know, a lot of documents flying around, a lot of, you know, due diligence and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, you know, you're trying to run a company, right? Yeah. All of that work, all of that fundraising work um, is not actually doing anything to, you know, make your company better day to day. <laughs> how, how do you balance that fundraising with growing your business? Because it's an ongoing challence even after you get the first funding, right? And we... You got to have a team, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think, I think if I could even maybe even back up be before our first VC round, you know, I was out there uh, and it was a learning experience for me uh, before Brian came on speaking with venture capital. And, and uh, one of the first things that, you know, I, I learned was that it, it's really tough to, to go it alone. Right. Uh, I was literally 
doing all the sales, all the product development, all the, the financials, and was just drowning in the weeds and trying to raise <laughs> capital. And, um, you know, I think VCs recognize this, that uh, it's best to have, you know, two or three people on that founding team because you just can't do everything and you can't balance that all. And um, I think, you know, Brian's mentioned Joe Caruso who introduced us. I, I think he recognized that uh, I didn't and he kind of had a, a secret plot to, to put us together and, and, and it worked, right? And um, I'm forever grateful that it did um, because it, it did change the game. And I, I would say if, you know, for aspiring entrepreneurs out there that you should really, really think about having a, a, a co-founder or two because it, it's impossible to do everything and, and balance everything and, and do it well. And, and, and to add to that, it's, it's, you know, you got to have the right co-founder. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, Chris and I actually joked about in some of those meetings, uh, early meetings is, you know, Chris would say something like, you know, you know, Brian completes me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and what we really mean by that is, is very complimentary, you know, uh, skills and talents, right. You know, Chris, is phenomenal at the product design, the, you know, kind of the, the vision and the strategy of where the product needs to go. And, you know, I've got a ton of operational experience. Um, and those, you know, those two have really kind of worked very, very well together um, versus, you know, so, so the point being, you know, if you're, if you're going to bring in a co-founder or whatever, make sure that, that you have complementary skills, right? That you're building out the skill set in the team, not just, you know, repeating it. Yeah. I complete you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys had me at hello, so. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, now, got, now we're here to show me the money. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we're almost out of time, but I'd love to know if, if you guys, so th this concept of finding co-founders, did you guys sit down and really have a long discussions or about, you know, who's going to be doing what, what the expectations of each other were? you know, discussions about equity splits and things like that? Yeah, we definitely had those conversations. I mean, we had a uh, very long uh, round of golf where I played very terribly, but uh, <laughs> talked about a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I think you definitely have to have those type of conversations, but it's also just kind of a, a general fit, right? And, yeah. and to a great degree, it's like a marriage. I mean, you, you're you're with that person, you know, all the time. You're you're trying to work through issues. It's it's not just who does what, but like how well do you work together? How well do yep. you communicate? And you trust that person. You know, all those things kind of all rolled into one. Yeah, and you guys are on four years of marriage now. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hundred percent agree. I think I think you know the the equity piece and all that stuff is relatively easy to figure out. You know, the hard part is figuring out. You guys share a common philosophy about you know, the culture and how a company should be built, right? And, and yep. that, that's where we had a lot of conversation back and forth before, you know, we both felt comfortable uh, kind of jumping in. Great. Well, that's great advice. You know, I see it all the time uh, where co-founders aren't on the same page, uh, right. especially after they've received funding and, and it's disastrous. So yeah. have those conversations in advance. Well, we are out of time. I really appreciate you guys uh, being on the episode today. Uh, any final words of wisdom for people? Uh, Go ahead. I, I would just say that I've learned that entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and downs, 
but you really just got to hang on for the ride and hang on through those tough times and, and have faith that it's, it's going to work out and have faith in yourself and just be tenacious and just never give up. And, um, if you can keep at it, you know, hopefully things work out and you know, certainly working out for ClearGov and we're, we're really excited for a bright future. Awesome. And the only thing I would add, you know, from a fundraising perspective is, you know, the, the money's important, but also you really need to think about um, the people that you're investing with and who's going to be on your board. You know, we've been very, very blessed uh, to have a great board, a great group of individuals. They're good people. They understand what being an entrepreneur and the ups and downs of that world look like. Um, and, uh, and that's really, you know, super important uh, as well. You know, not all money is green, but all investors, you know, are not are not raised the same. So that's a great note to end on. All money is green, but not all investors are the same. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brian. Good luck with everything in the future. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fundable Founder please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.